Hi, my name is Renata, and I am a public historian who specializes in 20th century social history. And my name is Greg, and I'm a professional packaging designer and graphic artist with 15 years of experience. We are longtime friends, and despite growing up in the United States, we are also longtime fans of the Eurovision Song Contest. After years of enjoying the contest together, we created the eSpot Podcast as a way to combine our professional skills with our love of all things Eurovision. On this podcast, we will examine the history of the song contest, cover breaking Eurovision news, and explore other topics related to the longest-running televised international music competition that we enjoy so much. We will also welcome special guests, including scholars and professionals within the music industry, to enhance our conversations. All right, so for our second episode of American Song Contest coverage, we're going to do something a little bit different, which is kind of in tradition with American Song Contest in the sense that it has no traditions and they keep changing it up every week. So we're going to change it up every week in the (laughs) way that we talk about it, because the American Song Contest is the American Chaos Contest, and that is why we're fans of it. So... You know, if it didn't act like our own, if it should be as much like C-SPAN as possible, unpredictable. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. So right from the beginning, they like gave us a lot of new features um, from episode two. We're going to start talking about episode two. Um, They started doing this like backstage peak thing and they did it right at the beginning where they're kind of showing them like before they go out on stage and like seeing the led wall slide open apart from them as they walk on um and they've been bringing that in a little bit more of like shots of the the artists and maybe the dancers like warming up you know backstage and in the wings before they go on and i i thought those things were were cute um i agree and they gave us right up front something that I really wished for at the very end of last week's episode uh the first week's episode a recap it was so good it felt so good didn't it it hit a spot it did it did you know uh to just even just seeing the the names and and the states one after another you know Mm -hmm. like like it kind of it's nice to get that that just classic song contest that reminder, Recap. a reminder of everything you saw, because sometimes maybe you know, you can forget about, you know, that's where the running order importance comes in. You, know, you might remember things better later, but like you really need that clip. So I was really glad that we at least got to see that before they announced the results. Um, and they showed us the results. We finally find out how they do the results. And they did right. that full jury ranking all at once, boom, on the screen, boom. suck it in. Here's who's going. And um, well, so so they did it. It was kind. It was kind of like I feel like other national finals sort of have done it this way, where they they'll give um, the jury first, uh, the, and then the jury. Yeah, the, the yeah, and then pull them out. Um, so Rhode Island, we already knew was going through, and yeah. then the other top songs: Oklahoma in second, Arkansas in third, Puerto Rico in fourth, and Connecticut in fifth. Right. And when the results came through, Arkansas got knocked out a third and Connecticut took her spot. Indeed. So, so Which we know was... that like that, that it's borderline between 
three and, and five, like that's a danger zone. You could go up or you could go down depending on what the public does. Yeah. And, and since results are so new, we really don't know what likeliness there is of someone who's lower down in that jury ranking to really get up into that, you know, the, the golden zone, I yeah. guess. We don't really have a name for it, but yeah. that, that top four that you really want to be in. And I, I was still really surprised at, at, at the result, uh, though, though happy with it. I, I, that, you know, I knew that there were songs that weren't going to make it because there were multiple, I think I had like six songs that I really liked that I would have been mm -hmm. happy seeing again. Um, I was fine with Oklahoma, Puerto Rico and Connecticut. Yeah, totally fine. I would have also been happy with Wyoming. I would have been happy with Minnesota. Witness. I mean, honestly, I think there really wasn't anything that I felt strongly negative about. So like, yeah. You know, not everyone can advance. That's just that's why it's a contest. Um, so that's right. why I'll keep streaming the songs. But uh, but one thing, so about streaming, um, I love Eurofans. Um, I love enterprising <laughs> Eurofans. Um, so there's a, a Twitter user, uh, Denzel Demare, who has been doing these uh, breakdowns of views, YouTube, Facebook, uh, TikTok, Instagram real Spotify and putting together these amazing tables where you can like compare how everyone did, which sort of can give an idea of maybe where the public vote was at, like who had the most views versus the least views. Mm -hmm. um, and I was really interested. So from that first heat, um, Oklahoma was the highest in everything, but for Facebook, the highest Facebook uh, shares by far, by far was Iowa. Iowa. Um, okay. And so maybe, maybe people in Iowa still really use Facebook a lot, like community wise people in Facebook groups, for example. Um, but right. I mean, her Facebook numbers streaming on Facebook were like enormous, like no one was even near her. And then TikTok, of course, was new boot goofing just mm -hmm. millions of views on TikTok. He was, that does not surprise. Team. No. No, I mean, even even Snoop said like, oh, that's everyone's going to be doing the new boot goof and TikTok dance tomorrow. And Snoop is right. Yeah, he he knows it. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So um, uh, another thing they improved was commercials. I'm sure any whoever was monitoring the hashtag. It was just seeing the commercials, the commercials, the commercials, the commercials, the commercials, like, and they, they did improve the pacing a little bit. They kind of like squeezed in a postcard before the commercial so that when they came back, they could do a song postcard song so that we were, you know, getting more than song commercial song commercial. Um, yeah. So like, clearly the producers are trying to work with that. Like, obviously they're, they're, they're willing to make changes, which is really cool to see. Cause I actually did not expect the commercial issue to be switched because you just need to have commercials. Yeah. And while it, it can seem a bit strange to kind of get the postcard and then a commercial and then the song, but if it makes it so that we can have a song, a postcard, a song, I do like that better than just song commercial song commercial song commercial yeah song, commercial. yeah it's better so it's it is better 
we're never going to have the public broadcasting like no commercial no commercials. situation yeah it's Minimal never going to be situation hopefully we'll never have multi sticker banner ads <laughs> yeah <laughs> on there either uh that's, i think just... that that's a big similarity between the maltese contest and the american contest it's oh do we love our advertisements just commercials a commercial everywhere. every everywhere. everywhere everywhere um so they did bring in another thing which i did not like as much as the commercial pacing which was the like live voting yeah, that was a bit awkward, especially when there weren't that many songs at, at, performed yet, or like this sort of, well, let's see how this state likes this, these three songs that are out there. And yeah, yeah it, it felt, it felt weird. And it seemed like they did it too soon at the beginning when they should have done it later when there was more to compare. Yeah. Like they did comparisons between two and I don't know, obviously they're trying something new and they did, they did finagle with it. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later for yeah, episode three, yeah. but um, they're, they're definitely trying things that maybe aren't amazing to start, but are hopefully going to turn into something that is a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, we saw 11 songs, same as last week. Um they were good. It was yeah. a good mix: country, R and B, indie pop, some reggaeton, uh, rock. Um, ultimately, the jury chose um, the number from Kentucky, uh, sung by Jordan Smith, Sparrow, um, winner of The Voice in 2015. Um, obviously, it was a uplifting ballad. He he had a great performance. <laughs> Um, it honestly, because of his background, you know, being a competition winner, I expected him to have a certain, you know, obviously he has the ability to win in wow competitions. Yeah. The song itself is what I would classify as jury bait. It's not, it's uh, nothing is wrong with it. The vocals are excellent. I mean, he deserves the spot. So good for singing, you know, he but deserves, he, de- he deserves, he deserves a spot, but there was, but there was a lot of, um, a lot of songs that I really liked and I know that they are not going to qualify or that. Well, at this point now yeah. recording, we know that they didn't qualify, uh, but Greg, why don't you tell me the three artists that you really wanted to see come through this round and advance based on public vote? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, well, I think I, I have a lot of respect for the the people who wrote the song of for, for Jordan. Um, he wrote it with with a Desmond Child, who's a a legend of American songwriting and producing, and Andreas Carlson, who's a legend of Swedish music and producing. Which is why it sounded so much like a lot of things, and so I can understand why it it hit the the jury so well. You know, it was like Richard Mark songs and. Um, like uh, those 80s power ballads mixed with, you know, a more modern pop sensibility and a little bit of soul, you know. So, no, uh, but it, my picks were a bit different. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, my number one song was Broderick Jones from Kansas uh, with Tell Me. I have been listening to that song, uh, great song. over and over again. Great. A radio um, friendly song all day. 
it hit so many notes for me a great edm drop a, a really good mix of of different styles uh, i love the chord progression in that song i love you know it's little synthy synthy bits that get kind of trickled in during the less dancey parts it's i I think it's a really well-crafted song. I think his performance was really great. The, per- and, the staging with the with yeah. the comet and the explosion and the dancer pops out. And then later the, there's another explosion and she like disappears behind the moon. It, like it, it I, felt I, I like watched a Eurovision. That clip. It did. I had to watch that clip on repeat. I kept going back. I, like I had to see it over and over again. It was just so good. It was so creative. And it, like, there was just enough happening just enough mm-hmm. of the dancing, just enough of the pyro, a static set, which I really enjoyed that static set that kind of just stayed there the whole time. But like they, they made it feel really dynamic. I, I loved it. I, I loved mm-hmm. it. This was also a qualifier for me big time. And, you know, again, like the staging felt so Eurovision and it felt so like, okay, like, here we go. We can bring it with the same sort of panache. the storytelling is in the stage yeah exactly um my uh, my next qualifier was anisa from new york amazing she's so i think it if anything my 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 musical tastes are showing the (laughs) (laughs) with these two picks um i think you'll you you'll notice i i really do like um more of the modern dance electro pop uh, less less traditional forms of american music i'll say you um, like you like pop you, girlies you're a big I fan do. of pop I, girlies i love i love a good pop vocal from 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 any any anyone really but yeah i do love i do love the girl groups and and all of that um which is why i probably think my my third choice is is surprising because uh i it u.s virgin islands cruise rock celebrando i mean it's still a dance song but very latin very reggaeton very very just uh bringing in that fun that, fun that fun caribbean feel and uh yeah I thought it was a wonderful performance. I felt like, you know, I was in a place I'd never been before because I've never been down there. I actually have been there. Um, So my uncle lived in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So he lived on St. Thomas. Cruise Rock is from St. Croix. Um, So a different island, but still in the U.S. Virgin Islands. I think there's three. I think St. Andrews is the other one. Um, Mm -hmm. So I had actually spent some time in St. Thomas when I was younger, and I have really good memories of being there. And like, so I, I already had personal bias just for the territory, for the island. Um, but it was just, he brought it together so well. I just love the song. I've got it on my workout playlist and I love how it represented like the island culture, even in like, I really noticed the dancers. Um, yes. They had, they there was like th- maybe three sets of dancers, but they all had the costumes of a different dance style that you would find on the island. Like they had the like dance hall dancers with the tight body suits. And then they had the, uh, 
uh, carnival with the feathers dancers. And then they also had kind of like the salsa little uh, frilly dress dancers. Yeah. And it was, it because just really, it's... really brought it all together. It was so fun. That was a qualifier for me as well. You know, like that it's that it's these three regions, you know, really coming together in that spot in, in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. And, and I felt like I was seeing it on the stage and I really, really appreciated that. And I'm jealous that, that you've actually been down there, but yeah, it's nice. It's nice. <laughs> um, so, uh, so we have two of the same qualifiers, um, mm -hmm. but I, I loved Inissa. I had her as like my, my fourth person, like she would probably be the redemption that I would want from this round to go through. Um, but North Dakota, Chloe Fredericks was just amazing. That was, she hit, that was my she close. the boxes that, for me. Um, I was loved, a close. Yeah, go ahead. That was a close one. Uh, wonderful performance and, and, and just so, she has, she has class in, in her vocal styles. And this 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 storytelling that that makes you want to listen, you know, like yes. her voice kind of pulls you in with how she 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 just her vocals are very impressive. Oh, definitely. At my watch party when she started singing, like normally we'll chatter a little bit through the performances, but like, no, we were in it with her and like she she just owned the stage and what I really loved about it and what I loved about it is that it reminded me of Molitva from Serbia in because mm -hmm. the staging it had that red the staging was very minimal there wasn't any moving parts to it um she didn't have dancers in the same way as uh, Molitva had but but where the vocals where the, the vocals and the power of the vocals and the mood and the color um and both artists are lesbians so yeah. LGBT love for North Dakota's Chloe Fredericks, who just seems like an amazing person. And uh, I love her music. I love her energy. Uh, Chloe Fredericks, if you're listening, can we please have you on? We'd love to talk to you. Oh, yeah. It'd be amazing <laughs> to speak with you. Uh, I'd love to hear more about your story and more about North Dakota, just because yeah. it's one of those places I've never been as well. And when it's on my list, you know. Oh my God, I'm finding that a lot, there. like watching these and like states that like I've been to a lot of states and some impress yeah. me more than others. And there's been some that honestly, I never really thought about. And I've been really surprised seeing the postcards of being like, oh, wow, like that place looks really nice. Like I never really thought mm -hmm. about Maine, but like the postcard for Maine, I was like, <sighs> wow, like no, that Maine looks is gorgeous. Really lovely. Yeah, like I totally, like, this is, is a amazing. great, this is a great like advertisement for like uh, uh, interstate travel. Like it really is. And <laughs> I, I, if, if, if the states don't realize that, the, oh, this is yeah. a really great opportunity for them. I think where that's is, a, where is the visit Florida uh, tourism yeah, board? Why aren't they and, buying ads on the show? Brilliant. I think, you know, we, we know that that Eurovision the, it's the country's broadcasters that are so involved and so you know with this we don't really know who's repping our states other than you know that has been kind of kept into the producer side of things in, in a very national final kind of way 
Um, but to so since it doesn't feel like the states are really that involved even in a state broadcaster which we don't have state broadcasters we no. have local broadcasters affiliate. so it's a really NBC affiliates affiliate. yeah so it's it's such a different thing like who's going to be the affiliate that represents pennsylvania like i would kind of be offended if it was philadelphia <laughs> yeah well you know? so uh, yeah i'm interested to see how it works out if it might end up being something like um like a kind of kind of like with eurovision where some countries have contests some have internals that mm -hmm. maybe maybe bigger like nashville they could probably put on a pretty good song contest in nashville with all the they really talent could. down in that city i'm sure georgia would do very well in a contest thing but whereas others you know more remote states montana's a very you know rural population yeah. I could see them doing internals. Maybe someday we'll get a mix. Hopefully, if we have more seasons. Um, no, exactly. And I, I, it's all part of how it can develop and and how different aspects of other competitions can be brought into Europe, uh, into American Song Contest to make it make people feel more involved. Yeah, know, well, I, I, it, I have a, a very real prayer that um, especially with the success of the the Latin music acts that we've seen um, that maybe Central and Southern America might start thinking, hey, we could do that. We could have our own mm -hmm. song contest. And then maybe we could get like the actual, the real Eurovision-ish with real countries yeah. being involved and not just like states and territories. And like, it would be like just the great American song contest, you know, where it's oh, just, just like- the whole the whole Western hemisphere yeah we're you know and it's, yeah half the world yeah but uh that's that's dreaming why not dream big yeah. why not dream big but okay let's jump always let's <laughs> let's jump back in to uh what we know and not yeah. what we hope will happen what we know has happened is um we had uh, i guess a split bag you and i with the results we both yeah. were happy with kansas coming through um thrilled 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 yeah I, thrilled I, I did that kind of sports thing you know mm -hmm. where it's like you go yes <laughs> <laughs> you know and you know I had that moment with that <laughs> uh and and then North Dakota made it through so I'm obviously very happy about that but Anissa from New York didn't make it she, she was didn't. done dirty by the judges um, yeah. I was shocked. I personally, the juries tanked New York and the U.S. Virgin Islands, in my opinion. Um, they did. They should. And Oregon. Maybe yes, maybe no. But New York and Virgin Islands, I think, should have been ranked much higher. And I really want to know what the public vote was like. Did they move from ninth and tenth to sixth and seventh, or, or fifth and yeah. sixth? you know that's going to be one of the biggest mysteries of this contest for us is what how can this be affected how can the voters bring these songs that are being like just destroyed by them? the jury and what's how even the possibility of saving them and i think we're gonna find i think we're gonna find out this week mm -hmm um yeah because this episode started doing things different and some of that different stuff from the last week that they did in episode two got 
better or fixed in episode three. So let's, let's talk about that. Um, So there was some more new stuff right up at the beginning. One thing that I was really happy about is they made an infographic and it's sort of like an inverted pyramid. And it's like 56 states and territories in the qualifier, 22 in the semifinals, 10 in the final one winner. And it like, even though they had been saying it in every episode, it felt much different seeing it because I think that I think people know now, like it should make sense now. And I'm really happy that they included that because it was a really small thing and it didn't take any time because they were already saying the words. I like that was beautiful. That I think made the whole thing like way more accessible. And like yeah, our department, you guys are doing a great job with all your graphics. Um, Totally. You really are doing an amazing job. I'd also like to talk to you. (laughs) Yeah. So uh this week was a little bit different in the sense yeah. that we had 12 songs and because there was that 12 song it's three minutes for the song well 245 three minutes for the song and then about two minutes for the postcard which is five minutes which meant they had to cut five minutes out of this show episode three to yeah. get in that third that the 12th song and, and go ahead i mean i i will admit it wasn't until maybe there was 30 minutes left of the show that I realized, oh, they, ha- they haven't done any of those things yet. Because I was really invested in each next song. I was, you know, and I was, now that I understood how the commercial break thing was going to work, I was kind of planning out, okay, commercial break, I want to go get this and this and do this and check this and, and kind of use that time <laughs> now. Uh, and so I, I just, I, I was ready for the next song after each break. And uh, they changed the way that the breaks are so that it's like, I just so much more efficient. It, it, it did. It felt a lot better. It was a lot more enjoyable to watch. It wasn't like a staccato, but I'll say, um, I, I know why they did it and it did help in a way, but I really enjoy the state, the facts. Clips. oh yeah it's brilliant so i hope whichever ones they couldn't do that they'll post online because those are hilarious um i really do enjoy the quizzes where they like ask like you know the state bird questions or whatever just because it's funny and i don't know i like seeing them in like the green room together being a little bit goofy um, yeah and they cut the halftime report uh which i was i which was maybe fine um i, I wasn't super attached to it i did think it was cute um yeah i i more or less missed the state the facts yeah um and i kind of noticed that there wasn't as much behind the scenes there was a little bit but i feel like they felt uh more like let's put that in the postcard area and well the behind the scenes stuff they were doing clips like just as they were going out from commercial breaks Mm -hmm. they would kind of like give you give you three four or five seconds during commercials they would have almost like a picture in picture yes yeah and i I thought that that. was great because it felt like okay i can yeah they're they're getting their advertisement stuff through this is commerce but i get to be part of the party yeah, you're part yeah. of the party there. Like you're having your watch party there and then their picture in picture, like a Zoom call, having their watch party in the studio. Yeah. I, I really liked it. I thought it kind of like kept me in and also like they need to test that with a, mm-hmm. a Snoop Dogg cam. <laughs> I mean, Kelly was already saying that we needed one. So we need it. Let's get, it. Need it. Let's get Let's, it. Come on, 
I want a Kelly cam too. Come on, Kelly. Yeah, you're they, just they, as they need to they need to put a cam. <laughs> sell yourself short. Maybe maybe do like a, a a cut every week where they just give us all the all the clips of them jamming out to the song behind the desks. I just love it. But so okay, speaking yeah. about the songs. Um speaking about the songs. So um we had 11 songs again this week. No, we had 12 songs. What am I saying? We had 12 songs yeah. this week. This was the big week. Uh, this was the big week and, and they really packed them in. Um, and so one thing. What a 12 songs. What a grouping of 12 songs. It, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was quite a group. Um, there were certain songs that really stood out to me. There were others that were fine, but I could, I could do without. Um, I have no idea what will or won't advance. Um, no. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I felt like it was a really wonderfully different grouping of songs that did show oh a really wonderful diversity in in what a, in a country that a lot of Americans will be like oh we don't really have that much culture here you know and it's just like are you're lying to yourselves because clearly there's a lot of culture here uh from you know south dakota to florida to new jersey you know there's there's stuff going on that that can represent you even if it it doesn't hit the nation you know it doesn't spark it all across the nation it, there's still it still represents something mm -hmm. and I, yeah, I felt like the, these 12 songs really, I was, I was entranced the whole night and so, uh, starting uh, so, it off. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I, I, I'm just I, thinking I, about Grant Gnocchi and his incredible performance of Mr. Independent and how oh much I God. really enjoy that song that Grant it hits Hinoki. so many of my boxes and I, uh, I really pray that he can qualify. Uh, yeah, I love Grant Kanoki. I'm really, I, I'm really rooting for him. Uh, and he ended up fourth in the uh, the ranking there, so he's kind of in that danger zone. Like, if he gets yeah. a lot of votes, which I think he will, like he could go up. But if somebody else really pulls through, like he could get knocked out. So yeah, um, I I love that the staging really just just really hit so mm -hmm. well it came it just came together it was i would like to see what the next version of it looks like because i bet they could make it even tighter yeah exactly um he he just knocked it out of the park and i mean i just want to say like kelly's first single outside of american idol was miss independent no and yeah she's from texas and so for this song to be mr independent and him really kind of going for something that doesn't make you think Texas, but you're like, wow, Texas. I, a guy from Pennsylvania, gave full marks to Texas. You know, it shows the bridge that can music can create. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, I really like that one. That's definitely one that I I hope will go through. Um, Another one I'd hope to see through who is uh, in, in another danger spot there at number three in the jury is Alabama. 
I just, I really love Nico. Um, they're very sweet people. Like I've been watching all of their socials and like they did this like adorable live video before like the press day where they were asking everybody in the live to help them pick out their outfits and just like being just like, horrible. like they were being like genuine people. Like it felt more like, you know, like a friend, like literally asking for help and not like someone who's like, oh, the studio told me I need to do TikToks a lot. So help us choose our outfit. Like it was totally like real and genuine. And, and it was like so fun, the process. And then they wore the outfits the next day and like it did. so cute. Um, it was like a blue pants, like white shirt thing. It was very, very cute. And I really love their song. Um, I, I think they're, performance like they actually said in their live last night that like they ranked themselves really low uh, on their own personal knowledge of of how they can perform um and there were definitely mo moments there where I could tell that like oh like I know that they could probably do a little bit better but I still was in it the whole time I still I do wonder because I feel like it wasn't just them and I, I mean, like the audience is really, you can, you can hear the audience through the okay, monitors. So they you said that so much. No, they, they I, said in the live that all the screaming was from their mothers. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. So they, yeah, they were having, um, they, they talked a little bit about the earphones because they said that normally um, they don't use in-ear uh, monitors. And, and they explained that like, like, newer artists like who don't especially have like a label giving them like all kinds of money um they're not used to using in-ear monitors like they're expensive yeah, yeah yeah so they're used to singing without in-ear monitors just through regular monitors so it was like there was a lot going on it was different and also she said that like kelly clarkson was talking to her right before the performance and she was just bawling so she was like <laughs> So like, and actually knowing like that she was feeling very, very emotional right before going on stage. It's like, I'm surprised she didn't have like an emotional breakdown. So like, I actually right. gave her more points for like being like really vulnerable in that moment before going live because like, yeah. and maybe that, maybe that was why I was still really there in that performance was because something felt honest about it. Yes. Um, and I, and they're very they, in love. So like it they, is very honest song you know they made a, a really great point in what, what who and what they represent for Alabama I love the way they talked about the history of Alabama and kind of reminded some of us there's more to Alabama than we see uh in politics yeah and you know that that's an important distinction uh so yeah great just yeah. I mean I I will see what we can if we'll see more from them because yeah. I, I think it would be interesting to see if they get another shot. Well, and um, and the question that we have now is because they again they tried a new thing and they mm -hmm. gave us the jury results during the show. So now we actually yeah. know who needs the votes. And so um I actually on that live, I asked Nico, um I asked them how they felt about seeing the results live. And mm. they said they said that they that they liked it because it takes all of the worry and anxiety out of what will the results be because you already kind of know and you know like how how much you have to put like how safe you are 
you know, and how much you need saving. And I think it's the the same from the fan perspective. Like I really like knowing that, okay. Like I knew I had to give maximum points to Alaska and Northern Mariana islands because the jury tanked them unacceptable. I am so mad at the jury for that. It was just, I kind of think, you know, like you guys are industry professionals and you are going to tank an American Legend. legend well and- it's not even just that but like on the merits of the song i thought both songs were great i love both songs yeah. i have listened to sunsets and sea turtles every night because it's just so beautiful and relaxing and his other music is really good um and like my other two of my other favorites from that that night delaware and louisiana were also in the bottom half of the jury picks they were it'll be interesting to see like maybe they'll be able to to get boosted because with the other voting people didn't know who was in danger but now we mm-hmm. know so like it we can maybe like if alaska makes it up then we know that it's possible to vote people up and can maybe change our voting strategies a little bit yeah uh, but louisiana I mean- and delaware i mean they kind of had similar like powerful kind of bluesy rock songs um and i would be happy to see either of them Um, those really brought the energy the attitude mm -hmm. the kind of stuff i'm i look for in a song and i look for in a performance because you know it's like those two if you have a powerful song and you have that, that power performance you know it's just you could feel it through the yeah through it the all TV. came together and it just felt really good so something else that i just really loved about uh delaware and louisiana was that they had just fantastic costumes i mean every week the costume designers have just been blowing us away with just fantastic designs that really bring like all of that energy like the 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 mysteriousness of louisiana like the the way that she started so mysterious and like you don't know now you do and now now you see her at first you don't see her but now you see her and then even with delaware with like with the train like she and she had like a superhero grace jones kind of stage costume like 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 a train like she like she's a so strong superhero she could stop a train in its tracks like it just it it had that energy it was like that was such a great example of like the power of costuming in stage shows truly and you know lucky for us we got a chance to actually talk to those very talented costume designers there at the american song contest uh lead costume designer Aaron Hirsch and assistant costume designer Artemis Jafari and you'll get to hear that interview right after this. We are really excited to introduce today's special guest costume designer Aaron Hirsch, and assistant costume designer Artemis Jafari from the American Song Contest. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Um, To start us off, um, can you say a little bit about your roles on American Song Contest and the specific responsibilities that your job entails? Um, Aaron, let's start with you. 
sure. Um, so being the costume designer, I work closely with um, the producers, um, get notes from the network and pass them on to my team of shoppers. And then Artemis and I work closely together. Um, I dress um, the contestants and um, along with a, you know, a team that we have. And then Artemis is spearheading everything that from the dancers to the background vocalists are wearing um and uh you want to take it from here yeah like Aaron said once the uh contestant wardrobes are established I then work closely with her and her team and the uh producers to go ahead and establish what the dancers and band and background will be wearing to complement them wow that sounds like uh, quite a lot of coordination um, and Aaron, you have many years of experience as a costume designer from your work on The Voice. Uh, when you got brought on to ASC, did you expect the workflow to be similar or did this new format bring its own unique challenges or opportunities for what you do? Um, you know, I didn't know what to expect because, you know, The Voice is such a well-oiled machine for as, as far as life television is concerned there's a lot of you know it's a different format so we didn't really know and to anticipate but I have to say working on this show um, American Song Contest I've I'm loving the process because we are given more than a week to design you know it's oh. the uh, voice is like design on steroids I mean with certain things, we're able to maybe have a little lead time, which we don't have that luxury on the voice because it's just, you know, week to week, not knowing who's going to go through. So that has been wonderful, actually. It's like less stressful somehow. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. And I bet you get more creative. Oh, uh, yeah. Freedom. There's just a lot more room for for design opportunities. You know, on the voice, it's, it's kind of like fast and furious. <laughs> <laughs> It's really interesting to hear you say that it it has that kind of you know you know freedom and and time um, because when what we've been seeing on social media a lot of the artists are posting things like on my way to a costume fitting and then posting pictures inside the show's wardrobe room and it seems like everyone including the costuming team is on like a really regimented schedule as far as things happening which day and what has to happen and when it has to be done uh, just to get everything to come together for the first show. So it, I guess it really seems from the outside, like you guys are like really, you know, moving a rock up a hill with, with so much work. Um, so can you talk us through a little bit of how that maybe is less of a challenge that we might be imagining it um, and that process of developing the looks that we do see um, from how style sheets work and how you materialize that information and how those fittings and screen tests work that we see the artist uh, posting about. Sure. Um, clarify quickly when Aaron's yeah. time. We need, we need <laughs> relatively speaking to having like, like five minutes in a few days. <laughs> so like on this show, we get more than a week, which is a luxury for us. So yeah, exactly. Like when I say time, <laughs> I mean we get like ten days versus two days. Yeah. Uh -huh. So okay. it's. Um, thank you, Arno. Yeah, she was saying this. I was like, that's, it makes it sound really luxurious. No, even just like having like a week, a week to 10 days lead time, it, it's, it's amazing, you know, because we could do, you know, we could 
almost have like a production schedule where I was on the voice it's like you are in you're in the thick of it from the second the show wraps on Tuesday because you don't know what to anticipate Wednesday for the following week um but the way it works is we'll get you know again with this show we've had the luxury of getting most creatives um in advance and we were able to sort of parse out which person our department would handle which contestant and um from there, we speak with the contestant and we go over their sizing. The challenge is that we haven't met the contestants to really know their likes and dislikes. And we don't we, we don't have like proper sizing. So we're kind of just like eyeballing it, which that is a, a big challenge for us. And I'm sure Artemis can speak to that because a lot of it for her is eyeballing sizes, you know, not having sizes to last minute. Um, and then from there, yes, we have our fittings. We have a show on Monday. And then we have a fitting for the following week on Tuesday. And then we have like Wednesday and Thursday to um, make, you know, correct the notes that are given or any design changes. And then Friday, we have dress rehearsal. Um, again, Saturday's a day of correction and building. And then Sunday, we have another dress rehearsal before our show on Monday. Uh, Artemis's team is, you know, still a little fast and furious because a lot of times, you know, they can't really make decisions until we decide, you know, what color the contestants wearing. So they do mm -hmm. have to do a ton of last minute shopping. Mm -hmm. gotcha. That's when the best stuff happens. I feel like once we start to see it on the stage and it's a little different than you expect and, and then changes are always being made, of course, for everybody in everyone's department. So it really starts to take shape, I think, after dress rehearsals and, the, and then finalizing and tweaking for the dancers, especially. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of it is on the fly. That's how we like it. Yeah, that's great. They get um, bored otherwise. <laughs> it's, it sounds like an amazing whirlwind and it seems like the contestants are really having a great time in it. So um, they're awesome. They're awesome. They? That's oh. great. Mm -hmm. I love seeing everything yeah. on social and I love the peeks into the wardrobe room because you all just work in like a paradise island. It's what it seems <laughs> like. At least. Of course, of course, there's there's all, all the other things that go with having a fast paced job, but it does look beautiful. Um, so I, I did have a question um, regarding what you do end up putting the artists in, because there's been a kind of a bit of a mix. Um, Jewel in the past week, she had brought her own costuming. So you weren't as involved in that one. Um, but then there's others who have like full custom made looks, which from what I can tell have been done by your team. And then there's mm -hmm. others who appear to be wearing more like uh, off the rack items that maybe have been like tailored and styled to look for them. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the different approaches that you use depending on what the artist is looking for in their costume? Sure. I mean, because this is uh, taken from Eurovision, any opportunity to go like big and costumey, you know, we've been given the green light um, to take risks um, creatively. Yes. And certain, um, certain contestants, you know, you're not going to put a country guy in like a Speedo. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, some of it, you know, everything is always tailored, but some of it is off the rack and showroom and um, you know there's a lot of opportunity for original builds with certain with certain um, contestants. Artemis uh, Artemis's team does you know more uh, custom builds across the board though. Um, you know you bring up Eurovision and uh, we noticed a couple performances had a few classic Eurovision tropes 
um, especially the mid-performance costume change. And we've always wondered how these are coordinated, what inspires these costume changes, and, and really just what it takes on your end to make those happen efficiently. Are you referring to uh, Brittany Vance or who? Yes, that one mostly, but. Yeah, there, well, there was a few this week. There was Brittany and. Um, oh, Ollie. Uh, Ollie had one. Also, there was the wig with um, Brooke Allen. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of reveals mm -hmm. versus. Yeah, changes. there was a lot, a, a lot of reveals. Yeah, I love I guess it. That's more the technical term a reveal. There we go. Brittany <laughs> Vance's was like a feat. It was gorgeous that way. Yeah, Brittany. Brittany's was a feat um, that almost didn't happen. And uh, insider scoop is we had like a little hiccup in production, um, and the front of her skirt was actually a different color fabric from the back. But I think they lit it in such a way, or maybe they didn't. I don't know. Um, you know, to to kind of blend the two together. But yeah, it was. We, we were up to the last minute not knowing if that gag was going to work. Oh, it worked. Oh, you it pulled it off. Great. It was beautiful. I didn't notice anything wrong with it. I was blown away by the sheer scale awesome. of it. Yeah. Awesome. Very impactful. And then we realized, like, even if the skirt, it, like, looks like the back and front were different, like, the viewer would not know, like, oh. if it's an intentional choice or, like, a mishap, I guess. But, you know. We're we're not always waiting for those fire saga moments. We we want we want we want the the costume reveals to work out, and this really did. Oh, I'm so glad! I'm literally so glad. I was like, there goes my job. And <laughs> no. I mean, the outfit choices aren't really just about the looks. They they need to have to be functional for the performers. Um, mm -hmm. What are the technical considerations in costuming specifically? Like, how do you manage the needs of audio engineers and like the sound of fabrics? That's something I even have trouble with. Like, uh, it's it's got to be a challenge. Artemis, you want to take that one? Uh, yeah, well, sure. There's definitely consideration uh, made for that. I think, especially on the contestants end, when they're singing, we try to stay away from from noisy fabrics and things. Um, we haven't run into too many problems on this on this run, but I will say we've had. We definitely had to work with, uh, you know, the art department and and staging and things to to figure out certain technical things like Alexa, for example, in week one with all of the um, the ropes, ropes being and yeah. in the costumes mm -hmm. and things. So that's always a fun collaboration, um, working things like that into choreography to make it look natural and and like it was enhances the look as opposed to, you know, something we had to had to add and I think it worked out beautifully in that situation with building in rings into all their harnesses and things so that it, it worked seamlessly. Uh, we don't know your familiarity with uh, Eurovision but uh, Eurovision 2003 uh, was one and they did a, a kind not the same but it was so reminiscent of it and it really made me feel like oh you know, we are kind of getting our own Eurovision here and it was on it was on day one. So that felt great to see that you guys were putting that 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 level of of thought and and skill and 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 showing us that the costuming is part of the performance, too. And actually, uh, how much um, 
Eurovision had you watched in your preparation for for choosing like how big to go with the costumes like are we seeing a little bit of influence or is it actually just you know pure chance that um that the the those big fashion moments do kind of just lend themselves so well to live performances performances like this I glanced at a couple YouTube videos and got the gist <laughs> yeah we I mean we definitely knew the bar was high you know so we and like any stage musical performance we always try to the costumes are so much of the you know the joy of watching it so we try to we try to do what we can to enhance the performance and going back to your audio question essentially in our world anything that makes noise is like a fashion dome mm. like it's just not up for consideration no no jangly no jangly and, yeah I yeah. mean, or and, we have to like take things together. Oh, because mm. hmm. you do the costumes for the dancers, and Aaron, you actually have a background in dance and choreography. Uh, mm -hmm. That has to be a part of how you experience, you know, influence how you dress the the dancers, right? Knowing that they have to feel comfortable on stage is like a huge consideration, and mm. you know, anytime I approach. Uh, dressing an artist or a contestant for stage. I mean, that's, if they're not comfortable, they're not gonna perform to their best, right? Um, so yeah, just knowing that they, like the shoes are so important that they feel confident in their shoes. Like a lot of times we'll get someone like, I love heels, I can walk in heels. It's like, we have a glass stage, like good luck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, good luck. Um, and, you know, oftentimes shoes are our biggest issue across yeah. the board um but yeah just making sure that they're comfortable um is a big deal and some and some people don't care they prefer fashion over you know feeling comfortable but we also want them to feel confident so um being that this, these are competition shows that's a, a you know something we need to consider yeah and actually how many oh go i'm sorry go ahead artemis i, know, I was just gonna add that one of the first questions we always ask of course is how's the choreography what are are they climbing on anything what's yes the yes like? the rigging are there stairs of course and then you add a little ground fog to our glass stage and it's mm -hmm. practically mm. open slide so <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh wow yeah we take lots of uh, precautions and there's lots of uh, consideration but how big is the uh dance team that you're working with because maybe I'm wrong but it, it seems like from what I can tell since three episodes is there's maybe two different groups there's like a week one and three and five group and a week two and four group the dancers don't seem to be the same maybe I'm wrong but how many dancers do you have because you've got a lot of people to costume between the artists and all the backup dancers and like you said the backup singers as well yeah, we usually have about, I, I want to, in the teens, 16 to 18 background people that will recycle. Um, and they do change every week, uh, the, the ones that are available and that we cast. And um, so that's that's another thing we consider. We're reusing dancers in, in each number. So in the live show, we have to keep quick changes in mind going from costume to costume when and they're in back-to-back -back numbers. So that's another fun element of, of putting it together. Yeah, that affects the show's order. Mm -hmm. Oh, right, that makes oh, perfect sense. Yeah. 
So after we see the show, we've just been totally blown away. You've been able to do so many awesome things. They've clearly given you a lot of creative freedom. I mean, the smoothie cups were just like- That's all Artemis. I mean, Artemis. Well done. Oh, you need an award for that, Artemis. Yes, that was very fun. Of course, that was the brilliant creative direction of of some of our creatives and they gave us the concept and let us run with it. And we had a really great time putting that together. It was built by um, fabulous fabricators here in Burbank called Alex in Wonderland. And- um, Oh, cute. Oh, they did a good job. Yeah, that was was fantastic. So that brings me to the question I wanna wrap up on, um, which is what actually happens to these costumes after the show wraps? Um, what happens to the cups? Do they do they get thrown in a dumpster like a regular Starbucks cup? Um, do you recycled? Uh, recycled? Um, oh, and what about the like the custom outfits? Do they get to keep those? The the off the rack stuff? Does it go into the the studio's wardrobe room? Do you dry clean and return it? Like what what happens to all of that? I think Never they're... dry clean and return. <laughs> God, no. Um, Never directly in return. I don't know yet. To be totally honest with you, you know, this is a different show and we're using uh, our voice uh, studio. So we have a lot of stock. And the difference is I think this show, we have to like inventory everything. I, I, you know what? I don't know is the answer. Like, where are the smoothie cups going to live? Yeah, that's a good question. Where are they right now is my question. Oh, they're in the wardrobe. They're, oh, in, uh, they're in the sailor's room. <laughs> Um, I heard there has been a lot of interest in certain costume pieces, so who knows? They'll probably end up in the closets of some. No, no doubt. I'm, I'm, yeah, you know, on the, I could, on the voice, if it's a custom piece that obviously is identifiable, like the contestant takes it with this, I'm assuming, like, no one's going to wear Brooke Alex's piece, you know, or her robe or any of the above. Um, and she could take it, but I have no idea. So I don't know if um, the production company is going to want it. Sometimes you have to turn everything over to the production company. Um, TBD. Yeah. Okay. Well, another thing that's to be determined is how much you're going to blow us away on the next two episodes and in the semifinals and final, because you've been outdoing yourselves every week. So we thank you so much for the amazing work you've been doing um, to entertain the world because the world is watching. And thank you so much for speaking with us today. We learned so much about the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for acknowledging our hard work. It means a lot. It does. It was lovely speaking to you guys. Thank you and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the eSpot Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe on your preferred podcast app so you never miss a new episode. And don't forget to follow us on social media at eSpotPod for the latest updates.